Okay. Well, Martin, I'm uh, I'm glad that you um, are asking this so that we can clean up some of the uh, misunderstandings um, about it. Barato. Sorry. All right, I will. <laughs> that should do it. Yes, it's perfect. Thank you. Okay, so um, you were asking questions about bringing all of the factors together yes. for the first jhana. All right. Now, uh, the sukha is is the first thing that we do, but in the sutta it has it in the order of piti sukha, but in practice it's going to be sukha, piti, more piti, a whole lot of piti, then back okay. to sukha. Okay. That, that's the sequence of, 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 of timing events. And the part when I says a whole lot of sukha is the second jhana. And then back to, uh, excuse me, a whole lot of pity is the second jhana. And then the third jhana is back to the sukha again. Okay. It's like um, there's too much joy. It becomes too intense. And there's no reason to have it so full on intense. But we have to be able to manage it. Okay. We have to be able to manage our feelings. Just like we can get into a very, very funky bad state. Down at the very bottom, we can get into depression, we can get suicidal, we can go right to the bottom of being out of control. So the question is, is can we go right to the top in control? Okay. And that there is a resting place after that, which would be very easy going. But the pity itself is intense. Okay, okay, so sukha would be, this is nice. Pity would be, wow, this is nice. And then even a higher pity than that is voiceless. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So the question is, well, how do we create or generate or um, manifest this pity? And then... How does it get bigger? Yes. Well, the way that we learn to manufacture it or create it in the first place is through the feeling successful at the sukha. Okay. Let me explain that. Okay. So the practice of Anapanasati then is to come out of unwholesome states of mind and into wholesome states of mind and in the process we talk ourselves into happy thoughts gladdening brightening the mind kind of thoughts that also tend to be wholesome thoughts so by giving ourselves wholesome thoughts we wind up feeling in that wholesome way which would basically be feeling safe and secure and satisfied and we continue with that safe, secure and satisfied, safe, secure and satisfied, and let that be the resting point of sukha. All right, that's the resting point, and it needs three items of the Eightfold Noble Path to do this. What are the three is to remember 
to wake up, to take a look, and to make a change. So if we wake up and take a look and see some fear, we change that to becoming unafraid, feeling safe instead. Now, feeling safe is what we're looking for, not the feeling of uh, fearlessness. Fearlessness is something else in our language. What is fearlessness? The guy who's ready to go into battle, all dressed up and he's ready to go. The gung-ho spirit of the Marine is a fearless spirit. We're not looking for fearlessness because we're not going into battle. There's no battle. There is nothing to fear. That's a completely different state. Yes. Yeah, there is no danger. There is no fear. And the recognition of that is not fearlessness. It's the feeling of safety. Okay. All right. So this is an important thing because we actually begin to feel safe and secure, not gung-ho ready for battle. Because the battle indicates that there's a problem that needs to be solved and we're going to solve it by having a battle. But yeah. the safety is because there is no problems. Now, this is an important place about the sukkah is, is that it is satisfying. It is good enough. It's just enough. Now, when we practice this over and over and over again, these three things running in circle around each other, sati, ditti, and virya, which is remember to wake up, to take a look, and to change. When we it's, work with these three things over and over and over again so that we do feel that sukha and we do feel satisfied, something else happens. And that okay. is, is that we begin to get the idea we can do this. We can do it. So we're adding a new ingredient not success itself, but successful. There's a distinction between satisfying or satisfactory and success. And we're adding the success to the satisfaction. Why? Because we're actually successful at being satisfied. This is where the wow comes from. The satisfaction is, yeah, that's good. But the pity comes in as, wow, that's good. That, yeah, we can do that. Okay, this is the quality of pity. It's translated into the word rapture. But I have not ever seen the word rapture used this way. Maybe it was a hundred and whatever years ago. 140 years ago when they first started using that word rapture. Maybe back then it did mean that wow feeling and has the quality of bliss. Well, the bliss is actually after the pity melts away. Okay, here's an example of that is, is that people climb Mount Everest on a regular basis. It's a, it's a common thing to do. It's a challenge. Okay, so one of the things that they know for sure now is that you can't just climb to the top of the mountain, even 
taking a helicopter ride up there is not going to do it because it's too high. It's at 29,000 feet and helicopters are only good to about 15,000 feet. So don't expect a helicopter to take you there, right? So what they do is they go up and establish a base station. This very, very high up on the side of the mountain. Remember that quality of the base station because they're going to get to the base station, get all their gear to the base station, get acclimated to the uh, uh, the thin air and the climate on the mountain. And then after they've got the base station completely ready, now they're ready to make that final journey to the top of the mountain. Okay. Okay, that top of the mountain is the pity. It's the okay. apex of how good we can feel. Okay, and the base level is the suka we rise up, yes. we rise up, exactly. and then mm -hmm. we have the pity. And then the pity is on top of that. Exactly right. The base station is the suka. And then uh, the final mount is to go up to the top of the mountain, take a look around. But guess what? Nobody stays on the very pinnacle top of Mount Everest or, in fact, any other mountain. That's a very, uh, the winds are heavy up there. It's cold, right? But we've made it. That's that exhilaration. I made it to the top of the world. And then we okay. come back down to the base station. Okay. Okay. This is the way that we want to practice our uh, Anapanasati is with the idea that we're going to get a very, very good, solid, 100% top quality base station. Okay. That's the sukha. Over and over and over and over again, we practice just being satisfied. This is good enough. I can manage. I'm on top of the world now. All right. And then it will come Wow, I actually am on top of the world. Wow, I did make it. Wow, I cannot believe how successful I am. That, ooh, it shoots chills up the spine to know that you've made it. You got it. Okay, that's the pity. But you're not going to stay in that uh, excited, uh, energized, um, skin-crawling, goosebumps, uh, exhilarating state for just a little while, okay? But it can, the sukha can, excuse me, the pity can get so intense that you can't even talk about it anymore. Oh, okay. This is, this is why it is associated with the second jhana is because the second jhana is when the thoughts stop. Well, always thoughts will stop when we become curious and interested in something. For instance, you see somebody walking down the street and you stop thinking whatever you were thinking about and look. Well, that oh, yeah. looking time took a mind moment. It was a kind of thought, except that the thought that you were having was looking at somebody. And then the next thought will be probably telling yourself a story about what you just saw. Mm. That's verbal, but for a little while, it was totally experiential. We were just looking at what we were looking at without okay. talking to ourselves about it. Okay, so pity can get so intense that you can't even talk about it anymore. It's just, wow. 
um, so um, so in fact you don't train the PT you train the sukha yes the PT is indirect the the pity will come later after the sukha is well trained okay okay after you get your base station well done then we will have thoughts something like i can do this this is great i'm on top of the world those are the kind of thoughts then that will make the pity into the sukha Okay. Sort of like at the base station and five guys are at the base station, been there for a week. They're all pumped up and ready to go. And then the weather clears and the, uh, the guy in charge of the expedition says, OK, guys, is ready to go. And they're ready <laughs> to go. They're going to charge right up to the top of that mountain. Right. That's what. It, so this is the point is, is that you'll get to that that in the sense of your attitude. Because over a long period of time of, let's say, climbing up and establishing the base station took a whole lot of correct practice, giving results. And the results then are safe, secure, comfortable and satisfied. And we keep practicing that over and over again until we begin to get the idea, well, I can actually do this. I can feel safe, secure, and satisfied over and over and over again. I can do it. I can do it next time. I can do it the time after that. I can do it when the boss is here. I can do it when the cops are here. I can do it, okay? That attitude of I can do it then is what builds the pity, that wow feeling that has to do with success. This is exactly what happens in uh, in the sports like the Olympics. When the guy who's running the 100 yards dash, when he is at the end of that run and he knows that he's winning, he will start showing the results of his knowledge of knowing that he's winning. He doesn't have to turn around and look because he knows those guys are behind him. They're not right up and they're not ahead of him. He's first and he knows it, okay? And so he gets that winner's attitude that, in fact, uh, with that, um, you see the runners are running and running and running and running and running and running. And then they have this um, uh, piece of cloth uh, called the goal line. Okay. Uh, The question is, what touches that goal line? What hits that goal line? Is it his fist because he's running like that? Or has he already got it out so he's ready for that chest? Chest (laughs) out. I've won, okay? That's what we're getting at is is that at the end of the race, here we are in the race with all of that pity, or excuse me, all of that sukha and all of that sukha getting it going and getting satisfied, but right at the end of the race, the knowledge of I've done it. Okay. The knowledge that I've got it. The knowledge I have won this contest. We don't have the gold medal in the hand yet, And in fact, that's just a ceremony. Getting the gold medal is irrelevant. Winning the race is the issue. (laughs) Okay. Doing it, getting it done. That's the pity. That's that wow. That's that exhilaration. That's being on top of the world, which is kind of a little bit different than the bliss that you feel after the pity is subsided back into a different kind of sukha that is relaxed now it's fully relaxed and that would be the pity of the first john uh, the second excuse me 
the uh, the sukkah of the third jhana is after the second jhana, after we felt as good as we can, now we relax into the third jhana. And when we go even deeper into relaxation below that would be what's called upeka. Okay, it's so, equanimity. Equanimity, that you're completely finished. You have won that race, you have been to Mount Everest. You don't even need to go back because you were really there. So climbing the mountain is and getting the base station is the is the practice until we get to the sukha and then we keep practicing getting ready to go to the top once we get up to the top that's the pity coming back to the base station is the sukha but then when we go back down to the bottom of the mountain now we're not going as uh, an adventurer we're going as a grand master so we go back into the state of relaxation completely this is the opaco this opaca is strong this opaca is good stuff this <laughs> opaca is kind of like having your sea legs the, the opaca uh, would have the statement i can't handle anything except we don't even have to say it okay all right so this is where we're looking for the pity is to completion of the first jhana so it's not going to have the intensity of the second jhana because the intensity of the second jhana pity is voiceless it's wordless it's i couldn't say anything about it i'm having too much fun in the pity to remind myself that i'm in pity i don't need the reminding i don't need to talk myself into it anymore because i'm i'm there i'm arrived okay so okay, it's not so, uh, oh sorry go ahead so you you so sometimes you can go to the second jana because the pt is like all over over the top but sometimes yes. you can't because it's not like that it's not something you choose right okay well there are some things that you can do that will aid that okay with by being in the state of sukha and having your your thoughts very wholesome thoughts of wow this is nice wow i can do this and pretty soon it becomes a wow i can do this because you get it but okay. we start with the words so that so just like you talked yourself into feeling good with the sukha you can also talk yourself into wow how nice things are wow this is a paradise wow we are okay all of the top stuff that's the uh uh the pity okay. which is um the expression of overwhelming joy it has that quality of being overwhelming in the sense that once it comes it's like a wave it's knocking you down with with great joy so that's the that's the pity but it can be developed it's a skill it says so in the uh, anapanasati sutta that pity is a is a skill to be developed just okay. like sukha is a skill to be developed but we need to develop different skills because there's two different skills between building a base station and getting it fit and getting acclimated and making it to the top different skill you cannot make it to the top without already having the skills of getting to the base station. 
but that final ascent is going to take a new skill. Okay. It's going to really take a I can do this attitude one step at a time. I can make it one step at a time. I can make it. I can climb that mountain. I've got it. Okay. And it has everything to do with building confidence. The poly word is shada. And that it uh, is part of the um, uh, Eightfold Noble Path under the label of Sama Sankapa, which is translated sometimes as the word thought, which is wrong, but many times it's translated as intention. And that's what we're looking for. The intention of being on top of the world is what takes you to the top of the world. Okay. It's our attitude. The attitude, I can do it. Okay. That and the attitude or the disintention is um, very quick, but we can change that through success, and we get success by being satisfied. That's the success. So satisfaction, success, and then eventually the last item on the list, which is very much like opaca except that we can use the word wealthy. All right. Okay. So well, imagine then that we have a bucket that we're filling with water. The yes. bucket is dry. We start off with a dry bucket and we start dropping water in it. And pretty soon we begin to get some water in it. By the time that the bucket is half full, we get pretty satisfied. Hey, we've gotten something going here. When the bucket is still only a quarter full, we're not ready satisfied, but when we can get it half full, then we say, yeah, we're getting someplace. I, I can do this. Okay. And then we continue to fill and now we're going towards the rim, which would be the pity. Okay. Okay. But after we get the pity, once we fill up the bucket completely, now it begins to overflow so that there's no water we can put into the bucket. But that water that overflows is now the wealthiness i've got so just with money as an example i've got so much money that i'll give anybody who wants some some money is it Only i've got so much joy i've got so much joy that anybody who wants some can have it i've got plenty of it to spread around right that's the wealthy part okay is that you're overflowing with wealth overflowing with joy overflowing with that basic point of wow i've got it made okay now here's the thing somebody can actually have that attitude with money but almost never does it happen and the reason for it is is because people want money they get some money they feel good a little bit and then they don't feel good anymore and so they want more money thinking that money is going to make them feel good and they get more money and more money and more money. Sometimes they steal, sometimes it's a windfall, sometimes it's good work, but whatever. They keep getting more and more money, but the money itself is never enough. And so they feel like tightwads. It's very rarely when somebody, even the richest man in the world still wants more money. But it takes a change. And, and let me give you two people as an example. Bill Gates is a new example of a philanthropist. He's wealthy because he's got enough money to donate 
He has given huge amounts of money to COVID. He's given huge amounts of money for AIDS and other illnesses. And he's got doctors and all of that in uh, Africa. And he puts out millions of dollars every year. Why does he do that? Because he thinks he's got enough already. Now, the other example is um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, uh, from time to time, has actually been the richest man in the world. But he is still intent on doing what he wants to do and he's not intent on helping anybody he's got it sort of he'll he'll disagree and he says oh i want to help the whole planet by giving them electric cars but that's not the point the point is is that he's not old enough and retired enough to actually feel that wealth he'll use the money to build a new factory but he is not wealthy enough to just give money to whatever project that he thinks needs it. He's only interested in giving money to his projects. Therefore, he is not wealthy. But Bill Gates is learning. Now, here's something that uh, we can see is that over time, there have been many, many, many tycoons, some of who die without doing much of anything, and others become major philanthropists. For example, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, those guys got old enough with so much money, they started doing things with it for other people, building universities. Um, uh, The Ford Foundation and the Rockefeller Foundation do many, many good things. And so this is the example then of what it's like when you do feel completely wealthy. But most people, no matter how rich they get, they still never feel wealthy. They always want more and more and more and more. So what we're doing here is we're actually practicing going in that direction of the feeling of being really wealthy. By becoming satisfied with the money that we've got. And then we make a whole lot of money, a whole pile of good feeling money. Now we begin to give it away from wealth. Okay, so this is the uh, the thing. The Westerners get the idea that all that pity is all it's a goal. It's got to be way, way off in the distance and hard to get. No, because you've been that way. I mean, when you got a press uh, a birthday gift when you were a child, you felt that over exuberant overflowing of joy. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we do that when we're kids, but then we're trained out of it and we don't allow ourselves to feel that good anymore. So that's one of the reasons I ask students the question of, well, how good can you feel? Because this is the invitation to get out of your base station and go to the top. You don't have to stay there, but go see what it's like. Go figure out that you are in control of your life enough that you can feel any way you want to feel, including that wow on top of the world experience. Because then you'll come off with that that experience of that wow, spending a few minutes in the pity, coming back with the actual knowledge that, yes, I can do this. I can get myself into that kind of state. And then it comes back down to kind of nothing much at all because we're just in the senses now. Okay, so 
we can talk about that a little bit more at a later time, but the point is, is that um, it's kind of got a sequence of events, and eventually, once the wealth situation is done, we begin to see even that, too, is empty. And so ultimately, the only thing that's left is nothing much at all, which is again this upeka. But it's got solid, solid confidence underlying that nothing. All right. Uh, I wanted just to ask you, can you uh, have upeka uh, without the rest? Because when my, my cat died, it was a very long night. It was 12 hours. It was, uh, you know, it was uh, dying. And and at first I was very, uh, I was um, panicking, you know, I was, I have a lot of fear. I was, and then it dropped and I was just doing what, what I need to do, being be with, the, uh, with him, uh, taking care, and uh, the fear disappeared. And it, mm -hmm. it looks like Rebecca. Yes, when we just accept what's going on, then, then in fact, um, uh, Achan Tanisaro has a little story about that, which may fit exactly with what we're talking about in the sense of Metta Karuna Mudita Upeka. So let us apply it to a doctor. A doctor, actually many doctors, a lot of doctors don't want to even practice medicine once they find out what it is. But those doctors who want to help people, that's the meta. Okay. But normally the doctor will catch whatever illness the patient has unless he's careful. That carefulness to not get sick the way that the patient has gotten sick. You know, that was a big deal in COVID that the nurses were getting COVID left, right, and center because they didn't know how to handle people with COVID. Now that they know how to handle it, nurses don't get sick with the COVID anymore. Okay, so that's the point about um, uh, Corona is, is that you have to deal with people who are sick. Don't get sick with them. When somebody wants to fight and argue with you, don't fight and argue with them. Okay. Okay, so Mudita now is sympathetic joy in the sense of instead of arguing with them, you give them joy as long as you've got joy. So this is uh, where the doctor then would come in with an excellent bedside manner that many doctors are actually capable of talking their patients out of actually being sick. This was um, an old skill. Nowadays, the doctors don't have that skill very much because they can just give somebody a pill. But we can call this, in fact, you probably heard of the statement called bedside manner. Oh, no, the, sorry. Okay, the bedside manner means how does the doctor work with his patient when they're in the bed and he's at the bedside with them? He's standing there at the bed with them. And some doctors make their patients even more sick. And some <laughs> doctors know how to talk the person out of being sick. Okay, this is actually called the placebo effect. And doctors oh. who are good at this can actually talk their patients out of like the doctor who comes jolly into the uh, into the room and uh, looking like he's reading his chart and he says wow this is looking pretty good 
And then he goes and he talks to the patient, but he's already got the patient. So he walks in in a good mood saying that everything is going to be fine as opposed to the doctors walking in maybe with his own problems, uh, grumpy or whatever. And he can tell the patient you're going to be okay. And the patient doesn't believe it because the doctor is grumpy. Yeah, right. So this is this is mudita. This is bedside manner. This is very important for uh, Dhamma dudes to practice is to be able to 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 be cheerful and on top of their game to be up for the other people so that you can help them this way. And now the opika. In this example of the doctor is, is that the doctor no matter how good a doctor he is, no matter how uh, uh, his bedside manner, he's going to lose. People are going to die. Okay. And in fact, all of his patients are going to die. Well, that's pretty disheartening for a doctor, you know, to, you know, he's worked with this guy. Maybe he's made acquaintance and friends with him and then the old lady dies. Can the doctor handle that? If he can't, we call it burnout. And if he can handle it happily, we call it opaca. Okay. Right? If we can handle the problems of the world. So what the old lady died? I'm still a good doctor. People die. It's not my fault that she died. That's just a human condition. Everything that's born is going to die. But some doctors, they don't like it. They have the idea, oh, I'm a good doctor. And then somebody dies on them. They'll say, wait a minute, that person shouldn't have died. I should have been able to take care of them. If he has that attitude, he's going to burn out and quit being a doctor. The doctor has to maintain that happy, uh, smiling attitude, even in the face of death. That's opaca. Okay. Okay. Another example that I have of opaca is imagine that you're on a large, or that we have here in this example, a very large fishing boat. And on this fishing boat is the captain who has been a captain of this big fishing boat for years and years. And for some research reason or whatever, a college professor comes on board to go out to sea with him so he can do some research. The college professor has never been on this kind of a boat. He may have been on a rowboat. He may have been on a cruise liner, but this boat is in between there. And when the seas get rough, the canoe is just going to sink. But when this kind of boat, when the, uh, when the seas get rough, the boat's up and down like this. So the, the professor and the, uh, um, the captain are sitting on the bow and the captain says, oh, I've got to go back to the stern. Come back with me. So the uh, the captain who knows how to manage this boat and manage the waves, he can make it from the front of the boat to the back of the boat because he's got his sea legs and he knows how to handle and move and whatnot like that. This land lover don't. See, I was in the Navy, so I know all about this. The new <laughs> seaman gets sick. Yeah. The old salts, they love it when the newbies, the, uh, what they call the landlubbers, because that old professor who's on that boat, he's not going to make it to the back. He's going to ram into the wall. 
He's going to gra uh, grab hold of these ropes. He's going to do that because his, his legs are not steady. He can't handle the fact that the, the, the floor is going up and down like this. We call it the deck, but we can think of it as a floor. So in that regard, he may actually get sick and heave over the side. If he's really unlucky, he'll go over the side because he doesn't have his sea legs. Okay, so in this regard, the captain has opaca because he can handle that boat being tossed around. The college professor can't. He's got no opaca. And he's unhappy about it, too. <laughs> you can believe me, he's unhappy when you start running into every object that's on the uh, uh, around you. <laughs> There's the wall. Yeah, right into the wall. There's the side over the side. <laughs> All right. So this is another example of opaca is that when you have sea legs or when you can handle things, when the doctor can handle his patients dying on him. When you can be happy with someone who's arguing with you and you're not arguing, it doesn't mean that you're going to stop arguing. They want to argue. Can you yeah. handle that? If you can't and get into an argument, now we're the, uh, uh, the college professor that is bashing into all the items in this conversation. Okay, I see. But if uh, we have opaca, then we can handle that guy and smile at him, not get into the argument. Just say, yeah, you're right. And that's all there is to it. We don't have to make our point. We can handle the vicissitudes, the up and downs. Uh, another expression is the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. See it coming and don't get hit. That's okay. opaca. Stand out of the way. Dodge. <laughs> That's opaca. And it's very handy. <laughs> Keeps you out of a lot of trouble. <laughs> but it's the place beyond suka. Why? Because the opaca is absolutely solid to where uh, the, the suka is something that is new and we're just developing it. It's a skill that we're developing to where opaca is a full-blown skill set that's completely done. Okay. Like it took a while for that seaman, that captain, to learn, to earn his sea legs. He had to practice. He had to fall on his face sometimes, but he got up and he consented himself and then he went on. That's the way that we have to practice also. So there's a good, there's several good points about this analogy of, of the sea legs. So, um, the, the pity though, is very much like a very high point. And then people like that pity, they will in fact get attached to it. And when it's no longer there, where's their opaca? You should be able to substitute the pity with the opaca in the sense of, wow, I feel so great. Well, I feel okay now. Everything is good. Everything is fine. I don't have to be up on that pinnacle. So that's also the relationship with them. And so here's the point again, from bad feelings into the beginning of sukkah, into getting sukkah and getting sukkah and getting sukkah and getting that base station, taking it up to the top, 
getting the pity, then coming back down to the base station, get everything good, and then go back to the valley happily with wholesome life rather than the unwholesome life that we started on. Because to start with, everybody's a victim. Everybody's a loser. Oh, I wish I could climb that mountain. But the guy who's actually climbed the mountain, when he comes back down, he says, wow, I did that. I'm the champion here. I'm my own life's uh, boss. And so our whole attitude has changed. Even though one was in the valley, one was on the mountaintop, and now he's back into the valley. But now he's got a completely different attitude. He's got the attitude, I can handle anything. Been there, done that. <laughs> so maybe this will help you to figure out yes. how we're going to actually practice this stuff because they are skills that have to be practiced, manipulated through thoughts, feelings, etc., like that. So the first thing to do is to get yourself into a really good feeling state, feeling satisfied. This is good enough. I may not be on top of the world, but this is good enough. And then we build on that with, wow, I can do it. I can feel good enough. And that's when we start making that ascent. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. One more pedal, one more step. I can make it to the top. I've got all the basics that I need. We got that base station done. We're right up there. One more step, one more step, and we're on top of the world. But we're not going to stay there for long. We're not even <laughs> going to spend the night there because it gets cold at night <laughs> on top of the world. And so we come back down to the base station. But we come back to the base station. See, in the first place, getting acclimated to the base station, we were getting ready for a journey. Now we're coming back to the base station being completely winners. We've won. We've got it. Let's rest. And so they rest at the base station, and then later they come back down to the opaca, or the everything is good. Now this is just an analogy, and every little thing about the analogy doesn't fit the actual practice, but this is a good idea about how the practice goes. Thank you. Excellent. So <laughs> all you have to do is just start with, wow, this is good. Wow, this is really good. Wow, I really enjoy just watching and I don't have to think about it. I got no problems, no worries. And that's getting yourself into that base station. Okay. And then, then the thoughts, wow, this is really good. Is that climb up to the top? Okay. How good can you feel? <laughs> Ask yourself that. Look at it from that perspective of, wow, I can feel any way I want to, including going to the top of the world, being successful at it. <laughs> so, Martin, enjoy your practice. Yes, You're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.